thrilled to have you with us today if you're visiting. It's the last day of a series that we've been in called Bold, and we've been looking at Acts chapter 4 and Acts chapter 5. If you have a Bible, uh, you, you can open with us. We're going to be in Acts chapter 5 today. Next week, we're going to start a brand new series that we've been talking about called Happy, Happy, Happy. So many people trying to live a happy life and yet come up so short. And uh, this is going to be a great series for uh, all of us to be inviting friends and family, people at school, people at work, uh, to kind of see what God's perspective is on living a happy life. And that starts next week. Today, though, we're going to talk about bold obedience, Uh, bold obedience. And it shows up, bold obedience shows up when you least expect it, you know, God asks you to do something, it's going to take faith, it's going to take some commitment, and he, just in in that moment when you're least expecting it, God speaks to you, and then there's that test that all of us maybe are familiar with where we get to make that choice. Will I surrender, will I obey God, or will I just go a different direction? You know, it's easy to obey, or maybe it's not easy, but easier to obey when things make sense. You know, when God speaks certain things or you read certain things in the scripture and you're like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. You know, live an honest life, have integrity. It's like, okay, I can do that. But then when you're tested with maybe losing $20,000 in order to be honest and have integrity, then that's where the rubber meets the road, isn't it? When it's difficult. I believe that God wants to speak to many of us this morning that we would Learn to obey and learn to respond quickly and, and uh, to, the, uh, to the promptings of the Spirit and to the written Word of God. For example, let me give you an example. My brother Chris and I, we came to faith in Jesus Christ when we were both in our early 20s. And we were out in Tyler, Texas. And Chris gave his heart wholeheartedly to, to Jesus and became a new creation in Christ just by, by way of faith and asking God to forgive him for his sin and uh, he had a lot of them, a lot of sin, and so did I. And we were just, that's, we were hellions. That's how we were raised. And, and uh, well, my mom and dad might argue that. They didn't raise us that way, but we went that way. And, and uh, so here he is, this new creation in Christ. And, and, and it was amazingly euphoric. I mean, it was awesome until God spoke to him about his girlfriend. He was living with his girlfriend in San Diego. We were now living in Tyler, going to this church uh, in Tyler, Texas. And he had his girlfriend, Claire, in San Diego. And he had to make a choice. What do I do with that? Do I move back to San Diego and move back in with her? Do I live out in Tyler, Texas and, and get instruction and Bible teaching and discipleship in my newfound faith? What do I do? And he felt, God, he felt the Holy Spirit was saying, move out to Tyler, get discipling, get a good foundation in your spiritual walk, and invite your girlfriend to become a Christian too. And so he flies back out to San Diego. He gets with her, does a one-on-one, talks to her, tries to explain what has happened in his heart, and, and that Jesus is real, that Jesus is real, and that Jesus wants a relationship with her. And he does his very best to describe it and explain it and invite her into it. And she says, no. No, thank you. You're weird now. You're kind of a religious kook. I still love you. You can move back in with me. And he's like, no, I can't do that. But I want to invite you to come with me. And they had this impasse and he had to make this choice. He loved her, but he left her in order to follow Jesus. 
Today, Chris, of course, has been a follower of Jesus for 30 years, has a beautiful wife and a beautiful family. God has blessed him abundantly because he obeyed. And he made the hard choice in the moment because God had something better for him. You see, it's easy or easier to obey when we understand it all in our mind and it's not going to cost us anything, but it's when it costs you something. Let me give you the context of what we're going to study today in Acts chapter 5. If you haven't been with us so far, uh, we've been looking at Peter and John. They were bold. They had a bold faith. They came across a guy in front of the temple gates who was who was crippled uh, for 40 years. God gave them the faith and, and they stepped out in obedience and they prayed and they asked for God to heal him. And God did. And this guy was healed. And now there was this buzz throughout the community of, of Jerusalem and, and people were getting set free. People were being healed and demons were being cast out and hundreds by hundreds by hundreds were coming to faith in Jesus. And the religious leaders couldn't stop it. And they were jealous and they were upset and they were angry and they were trying to shut it down. So they put Peter and John in prison and they had put him in prison once before and now they're out. And, and so they were jealous and they felt this pressure. And in Acts chapter five verse 17, it says, then the high priest and all his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail again. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. In verse 20, the angel said, go stand in the temple courts and tell the people the full message of this new life. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to watch as these apostles boldly obey. And I want to show you three, three principles that you'll experience as you boldly obey Jesus. This is the first one, if you're taking notes, bold obedience usually triggers opposition. Bold obedience usually triggers opposition. In verse 18, it says, they, the religious leaders, arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. If you're keeping track, this is the second time that they've been in jail in a very short period of time. And the problem is, in our American kind of Christian culture, we really feel like it's unfair to have to suffer. It's unfair if you're a good person, if you're a godly person, to have to go through trials or tribulations. I'm obeying God. I mean, I ought to be married to a smoking hot wife who loves the Bible. I'm obeying. We ought to have kids who never get sick. I should make an A on my Algebra 2 exam because I love Jesus. You know, the Seahawks should win the Super Bowl this year because I'm a strong Christian. And so is Russell Wilson. And so Christians, you know, it ought to to work out that way, right? The reality is, though, that when you boldly obey God, you will face opposition in your life. Here's what you need to know. If you're not ready to face opposition for your obedience, you're not ready to be used by God. Because if you're used by God and you obey boldly, then you will encounter opposition. In in my life, I'll, I'll just tell you, every single time that God has used my obedience in a significant way to advance the kingdom of God, there was opposition. Opposition that came right along with it. And I can go through a long list. One, we were living in Tucson when God called us to move to Prescott, Arizona to plant a church. 
And we didn't want to go there. I mean, we really didn't. It was a smaller community, a beautiful little city, but we just, we, we couldn't envision ourselves living in this little town. But we were prompted, go up and pray. We did. We said no. Our pastor said, go up and pray again. I don't think you heard right. We said, no, we heard right. And we went back up and we prayed again and we said no. And then he like teamed up with the district supervisor and he got with us and he said, we think you should go one more time. It's a four hour drive. We went back up and we prayed and God said, yes, I want you to move here and serve these people and plant a church here. I went and told Tisa, she broke down crying, not out of happiness. Because it was hard. It was hard for us to live in a small city like that. It was hard because people weren't overjoyed that we were there to plant a church. Because the previous church that was there, the previous four-square church that was there, brought a lot of hurt to the community. It was a difficult, uphill battle. And yet God wanted a church planted there, and so we left behind a, a healthy, vibrant church there. And God called us up to Spokane, we thought, Finally, we're entering the promised land. We're moving to Spokane, Washington. We moved up here. Couldn't find a job. Someone gave us a travel trailer to live in, and we lived in that travel trailer until my wife couldn't stand it any longer, and so we rented a little house on South Hill. And, and finally, I got a, a really low-paying job. Didn't really meet the bills. About uh, within the first year, we ran out of money. I was standing in line for food stamps. And I remember just going, God, what the heck? Moved up here out of obedience, and I'm serving you, and this is the kind of thanks you give me standing in line for food stamps. Why won't you bless me? And I, I remember it clear as day. God said, I am blessing you. Why are you looking at blessing just through a financial lens? Look around you. I want, to, I, want to, I want to do a new work in you. I want you to begin to identify with people who are hurting and people who are broken. Look around you, Mike. And I began to look around and God began to break me and I began to cry and I, 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 I had to leave that place in that moment because God was blessing me with a larger heart that cared for the community more than I had before because I was just thinking about planting a church and God was thinking about doing something more than that. Growing people and healing people and setting people free. Every significant act of obedience is met with opposition. And if you want to boldly obey God, then you have to be willing to encounter the resistance and the opposition that will go with it. Just mark it down. I don't know what it will be for you. Maybe you're sick and tired of debt. Everybody's in debt. Everybody is living beyond their means. And everybody's struggling financially. Maybe you say, you know what? I am tired of that. I I don't want to live that way any longer to have this financial noose around my neck. I'm going to make a change. I'm going to begin to obey God boldly and I'm going to get out of debt. And you might pray and God might lead you to do something really crazy like drive an old clunker instead of borrowing money. Or downsizing into a smaller home when everybody else is upscaling. And they're like, no, stay with us. We're all in debt. We're all living beyond our means. Stay with us. Don't move away from us. And you're like, no. I'm going to get out of debt. I'm going to quit borrowing so much. You obey God. You're going to get resistance. God make all you to do something weird when raising your kids. 
You may not put them in the sports league that meets on Sunday or on the weekend. Heaven forbid. God may prompt your heart and that you want to send a message to your children that worshiping God is more important than a sports league. But if you don't put little Junior in the traveling flag hockey league, he can't go to New York by the time he's three and then he won't make it to the Olympics. <laughs> Pastor Mike, you've got to have your kids in a Sunday league if they're going to get ahead. You're going to encounter opposition if you follow God and, and, and if you obey the promptings of the Spirit. You may have had a gift of dating jerks. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You're just a jerk magnet for some reason. Every guy you've ever dated is a jerk. And you're realizing that and maybe God would speak to you and say, pull away from the whole dating scene and just learn to be content in being single and then your friends go, hey, we're going to go out to the club tonight. It's Friday night. You're going to come? No. What are you going to do? I'm going to just read my Bible and I'm going to hang out with God tonight. You're weird. See, obeying God sometimes is not understood by other people. When you obey the promptings of the Spirit and you want to grow in your faith and you want to obey, obey boldly. Sometimes people don't understand tithing, do they? Giving to to uh, a local church. And we had an elderly man in our congregation who died a couple months ago. He loved this church. And he used to give several hundred dollars to the church. And he died a couple months ago. And his family looked over his bank account and discovered that he had been given several hundred dollars on his limited income. And they were upset and they wanted it back. There are some who don't understand bold generosity and giving and being bold and obeying. And when you obey God, you'll, you're going to encounter opposition. Don't worry when you do. Worry when you don't. Thought number one, when you boldly obey, you usually trigger opposition. And here's the second thought. When you boldly obey, you will release God's miracles in your life. When you obey, you can expect God to show up and work supernaturally. In verse 19, I love this. And uh, remember, this is written by Luke, the physician who's writing Acts. And, and there's no big emotion, no big statement here. But in verse 19, he says, But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. I mean, that would be huge for me. During the night, while I'm in jail, in shackles, an angel of the Lord opens the door and says, you're free to go. When you walk in obedience to God, you won't be surprised when God shows up and does something supernaturally. I'm not saying that everything will always go right. Remember, they're in prison. But in the middle of that bad day, the provision of God through this angel shows up, opens the door, makes a way when there was no way. When you walk in obedience to God, don't be surprised when God comes through. Several years ago, um, I was with some family members and they were explaining how heavy their heart was because they couldn't have a baby. They had tried and they had tried and it, it just wasn't happening. And, and others around them, their friends and other family members were having babies and it was just killing them. And they said, if one more person prays for us, we're going to just knock their block off. Just sick of that, you know? Because they had prayed a lot and nothing had happened. And, 
And they were going to a fertility clinic and they said, hey, would you just pray for us on your own later, you know, for this fertility clinic? And that the appointment goes well. And lo and behold, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, pray for them now. I'm like, no, they just said they don't want that. You know, what? Pray and duck. That's what I'm going to do. So I mustered up the courage and I said, I'm sorry. I know you just told me not to, but I really feel the Holy Spirit wants me to pray right now for you guys. And so went and got his wife. We prayed and uh, it was a simple prayer. I made it pretty brief. Um, But a month later, she was pregnant. And today they have three amazing kids. And let me tell you, that had nothing to do with anything in me that had to do with the Holy Spirit wanting to do something in that moment for them, for them as a gift to them. And he just was looking for somebody stupid enough to be boldly obedient to him in that moment. Obedience often releases God's miracles. Bold obedience usually triggers opposition. It will also release miracles, but it will always require faith. It will always require faith. Every single time God prompts you to do something, it's going to take faith. Verse 20, the angel of the Lord tells him, go stand in the temple court and tell the people the full message of this new life. Now, remember, this is not this great privilege in this moment. They had just been to jail two different times for doing this very same thing, telling people publicly about Jesus Christ. And now the Holy Spirit is saying, go do it again. It's going to take faith. Now, when God prompts you to do something, it will take faith. Wouldn't it be easier if you had all the details? No, it wouldn't. Matter of fact, if God gave you all the details, you wouldn't do it. Because you would go, oh, that's lying out there. If I step out in faith and do this, we would probably shrink back. For example, you want to talk about a place to start obeying, just start obeying God's word. He wrote it down. It's how life works best. And if we'll just take him at his word and begin to walk out the written word of God, it's a, it's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. And no, he won't give you all the details, but he'll give you enough revelation for that day. Maybe a step or two steps down the road. But God will work miracles as you walk in faith. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. It wasn't long ago, many of us remember, we entered into one of our biggest faith journeys that we've had in the existence of our church. When we were evicted out of the theater we were meeting in, we had nowhere to go. We had no land, no building. We had very little money. And we're like, man, now we're in a global recession to boot. How's this going to work out? We went on a 21-day fast. We began to pray and fast. And God called on us as a church to not shrink back, but to climb that mountain. And so we prayed and we asked the Spirit to prompt us to, that how we could give generously and sacrificially. We didn't have some rich dude come in and plunk down a half a million dollar check. I was looking for that story. I wanted that story. I've heard other churches had that story. We didn't get that story. We had people... Uh, of every socioeconomic group and, and mainly just normal, ordinary people who don't make a lot 
give sacrificially. And that's why we're here. Because people stepped out in faith and gave. I love it. You'll notice the parking lot being finished. We're doing that for cash. For cash. And, and uh, we're in a good situation. We are healthy financially as a church. We have to be thankful for that. And we're meeting our budget. And I love that. And we will always live within what God provides. Let me just tell you. Every year, no matter if things tank, we will cut the expenses and lay off staff. We'll do whatever is needed to make our budget balance every year. Because we're living by faith, but we're also living within the means that God provides. But our church has a big and bold vision. A bold vision that will take all of us contributing and being a part in order to accomplish it. Let me give you an example. We envision our church leading the way in raising up leaders for the harvest in our region, in our area. Through the Spokane Ministry Institute, the SMI, which we started 12 years ago, we've developed hundreds of people who are now leading churches, who have church planted, who have been missionaries, who are serving as volunteer key department leaders in their churches amongst our city and state and beyond. And, and, and I love that, that as a church, God has anointed us and gifted us and, and given us a responsibility to raise up leaders for the harvest. We had two churches in this last year come to us and ask for help because they wanted to start their own ministry institute and they recognized what we were doing. It's a big vision. It will take bold obedience to fulfill it. But this last year, we had to cut back our program, cut back some of the classes, not be able to raise up as many leaders as we had wanted because we don't have the staffing to run it. So we will trim things back as we need to. But there's a vision there to raise people up and God has given us the anointing to do it. And it means that we need to step into that. Or let me give you another example. We have a ministry called Serve Spokane. We started it about 10 years ago. It too is a a leader, a model in our community for being an outreach, uh, community-based ministry, nonprofit organization that's linked with a local church, our church, and other churches that are helping and contributing. And it's, it's a model in what it does. And we've had people come and ask to learn from Serve Spokane because of the way the volunteers and the leaders run things so efficiently and so lovingly. We feed school children. We give away free clothing. We feed those that are uh, without food. We build things for people. We help people. And it kills me when I sit in a meeting and, and, and literally we're pinching pennies in order to do something because we want to take it to the next level. But it's under-resourced. Or in our special needs ministry, this amazing ministry that happens every single weekend downstairs, 60, 70 different folks with special needs, reaching out to hundreds of people, literally, with all of their families in our community. And people have come again and wanted to learn from what we're doing. And recently, Tim Ray, the leader, came and asked for a staff coach to help him as he wanted to expand it beyond into other churches And I had to say, I'm sorry, I can't help you right now. 
I mean, literally, I cannot dedicate two or three hours of somebody's staff time to assist you in this because we're so stretched and overworked right now. We just can't do it. I recently took on the IT needs of our church because we don't have the bandwidth to give the IT, the computer needs, to another staff member. And uh, I know maybe some of you are thinking, yeah, just get a volunteer. Well, you just can't do that for your day-to-day operational needs. And yes, I know you can look around as an armchair critic and look and go, well, you don't need this or you don't need that. Oh, we could do better. And really, friend, the, the real issue is not better management. Things are being managed really well and stewarded well. Our challenge is not better management. It's expanding the base of those who say this is their church, but don't give to it. We are under-resourced. We have a bold vision, and it will take bold obedience to accomplish it. And, and, and I know that the resourcing is available. The point is, we, we have to make that decision. Will we boldly step into what God has called us to do to help the lost find him and to help the found get discipled and to bind up brokenhearted and feed the poor and push back the gates of hell and take living boldly to the next level. Now, let me, let me be clear. We don't need people who are giving and tithing regularly to give more. We don't need that. Let me just say thank you for those of you who do and support this church and its vision generously. I mean, unless the Spirit of God prompts you. Then there's another group of you, you're not Christians yet. We don't want you to give. We're just glad you're here. This ministry and generous people, that's why this is here. And we're glad you're hanging out with us or you're just visiting today. Don't give. We don't want you to. What I'm speaking to are the 70% of our church that call this your church home and yet you don't give regularly or faithfully. You don't tithe. God has given us a bold vision. And I want to call you to change your lifestyle and quit being so happy that everyone else is floating the boat for you and begin to live boldly, obediently, and generously and step it up to the next level and begin to live out God's call on your life. Church, we are are being resourced by too few people for a church this size. And, And yes, we can cut our vision back. And we will if we have to. We will live within our means. But God has given us a bold vision to reach our community. Our giving base is made up of teachers and policemen and construction workers and single moms and widows and military and a few professionals. And if God has blessed you with an income of any size, please don't let everyone else carry you on their backs because you have some excuse of being afraid to give. We are all afraid. Courage is not the absence of fear. It's moving in faith against your fears. So let's do that. Let's catch the vision of Luke 4 to preach the gospel to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set captives free from addiction, and to reach out across our city and around our state and throughout the world, pushing back the gates of hell and advancing the kingdom of God. It takes faith to do that. And it takes a bold obedience to step into that. And yes, there will be opposition. But God will work miracles. Some of you, God is going to speak to you. 
He's going to speak to you to step it up in different arenas and areas of your life. Some, you're going to start a life group, and you're like, how? It's going to take faith. Or some, you want to, you're going to start a ministry or a new business, and you're saying, how? It will take faith. Some of you need to go and get it right with somebody that you've offended, you've hurt. You need to go apologize, and it's going to take faith. Or maybe you're a guy and you're not married and you're sitting four rows down from a really cute girl who is worshiping God. And by faith, you're going to invite her to the life group that you have not yet started. And God's going to spark a new relationship. And you're going to end up getting married and have a son and name him Mike after the one who inspired you to live by faith. Because it takes faith when God calls you to obey. I love verse 21. Watch what the apostles did at daybreak. They entered the temple courts, and as they had been told, they began to teach the people. Look at what they didn't do. They didn't delay. They didn't, they didn't uh, just partially obey. They obeyed quickly, promptly, and completely. Whenever God prompts you, obey Him completely and immediately. Don't wait. I wish I could tell you that I've always obeyed promptly and completely, and I haven't. I mean, I remember the time when I was doing computer consulting work in Arizona, working for an ambulatory company. I was, a, I was a, 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 a what did they call those, uh, tent-making church planter in Prescott, and I was doing computer consulting on the side, and this ambulatory company who was in eastern Arizona would fly over and pick me up. So they flew over, they picked me up, and I was flying over to their, co- to their company headquarters, and is this little Cessna, and I was in the front seat, and I had the little headphones on, the microphone, and I was chatting with the pilot, and I just felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit say, ask the pilot if he knows Jesus. I'm like, oh, crap, I don't want to do that. I'm a professional. I'm in a suit. I make, you know, 80 or $90 an hour. I don't want to do that. That's very unprofessional. Don't do that. And I kept hearing the Spirit say, share your faith with this man. And I, the whole way, it's just a 40, 45-minute flight over, and the whole way I'm just ar- talking to him, but arguing with the Spirit in the background. I get off the plane. I don't do it. He comes back, picks me up at the end of the day. I think, okay, I'm going to do it. I mustered my courage. I'm like, yes, I'm going to do this. It's the end of the day. I'm off the clock. It's all good. And he's talking to everybody else in the world instead of me. And then he turns on this song, and he's playing this song, and he drops me off. I didn't get an opportunity. He flies away. I get a call in the middle of the night from search and rescue. And they're like, you're the last guy that talked to him. What happened? What did you say? What did he say? Explain it, because his plane went down and he's dead now. And I remember just thinking, why didn't I obey God? Why didn't I just share what the Lord had prompted me to share? Bad day for me. When God prompts you, even when it doesn't make sense, obey completely, obey immediately. Because God has something He wants to do. He's up to something. Verse 28 says, We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. He said, What name? The name of Jesus. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. 
Peter and the other apostles said, we must obey God rather than man. I love that. We must obey God rather than man, rather than conforming, rather than pleasing everyone else, rather than fitting in, rather than looking cool, rather than all of that. We as Christians must obey God, not man, not man. When you've seen and heard what I've seen and heard, when God has changed your life, you can't stay silent because boldness is behavior born out of belief. We speak boldly about what we believe deeply. We obey and we say yes to God, even when we don't understand it, even though we know in the back of our mind it will bring some level of opposition. But it's going to take faith. And when we walk in faith, we will see God work miracles. In Acts 4, 13, I'll close with this. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. See, when you hang out with Jesus, when you spend time with him, he will infuse you with boldness. He will place in you what you don't already have. And, and, and others will be able to see the way that you live boldly and obey boldly. And church, let's spend time with Jesus. Let's just spend time getting to know him and sitting in his presence and learning from him and then choosing to obey him and say yes to him because he's the one that loves you more than anyone ever will. I must say yes to God. I must obey God rather than man. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I just thank you, Holy Spirit, for speaking to us this morning. Would you seal these truths deep in our heart? Lord, we want to be different. We want to leave here different people because we were here, because of your word, because of your spirit. Lord God, I pray that you will put within us an amazing boldness to obey you in all the various areas of our life. Help us quit pulling back from fear and from the possible resistance or opposition that will happen if we obey. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be so welded on your purposes and on bringing glory to your name and that we would know that we serve a Father who loves us and cares for us and meets all of our needs in Christ Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that we would fall so deeply in love with you that the true motivation of our heart would not be religious obligation, but it would come from the motivation of love, that you died on the cross, you spilt your blood, You paid the ultimate price. You redeemed us and forgive us. Love us and call us into a new life. Because of that, I pray that we would desire to live boldly for you. And I know that there are some people here today that God is wanting to free you from fear and free you from greed and free you from just trying to make everybody else around you happy and to just fit in. Would you surrender that to God right now?
just say along with me, God, I want to learn how to obey more promptly and more immediately and more completely. Forgive me for caring too much about what everyone else thinks and not enough about what you think. Lord, help me quit living by my feelings and by my fears and help me to start live to live by faith and by conviction and by boldness. Maybe you're here this morning and you know for you it starts with getting off the fence. Getting off the fence and thinking that a little religion will do you when it won't. The Spirit of God looks for those who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. Wholeheartedly. And I want to call you to that today. And invite you to that today. If you're here today and you, you want that, I invite you to pray this prayer with me. Jesus Christ, I place my trust and faith in you, the Son of God. Forgive me for all of my sin and all of my selfishness and come into my life right now and fill me with the power of your Holy Spirit. I want to live boldly for you. Boldly for you. Jesus, we uh, as a church, I know you've given us a bold vision. And I pray that we would fulfill that vision, that we wouldn't have to cut the vision down to size, but Lord, that you would grow us up to meet the challenge. Grow each of us up and help each of us, Lord. Say, Lord, here am I. What do you want to say? What do you want to do? Change me. We thank you, God, for the privilege of loving and serving you. In Jesus' name.